I like to cook on the big green egg. Why? It's impressive and everything turns out great on the big green egg. If you don't have one, you got to go to Wasi's Meat Market and get a big green egg. They have the lowest prices in the country. They also have all the accessories. They even have a classroom set up to teach you all the basic techniques on the big green egg and advanced techniques on the big green egg. When you get the big green egg from Wasi's Meat Market, there's a lifetime guarantee. So check them out. It's Wasi's Meat Market. Check them out on Instagram or just go to their website, wasi'smeatmarket.com in Melbourne on Wickham Road. It's Wasi's Meat Market. You're listening to Non-Compliant America with J.D. Rucker. The show starts... Now. These riots should eliminate any doubt whatsoever that the radical left hates America. They do. They hate the United States of America. They hate the country that allows them to hate it, that gives them the freedom to not only feel this hatred, but to express it. Now, what we're seeing is an expression of hatred that is that goes so far beyond what should be considered acceptable. And it's not. I would say the majority of Americans, the vast majority, realize that these riots are tainted, that this isn't a righteous expression of anger, that these people, these rioters, whether it's Black Lives Matter, Antifa, random radicals out there, communists, foreign entities participating in an attempted destruction of the United States, of the American way of life. Most Americans do see this for what it is, which is not only tragic, but also unwarranted. I'm not saying that George Floyd's death is not a big deal, that there shouldn't be protests, but these aren't protests. Don't listen to CNN, don't listen to MSNBC, don't listen to any journalists, politicians, Hollywood types who are calling this protests. If they use the word protest in their description of what's happening across America today, then they're not worthy for you to listen to them. They're propagandists, plain and simple. Some of them are willing, others are just stupid. You know, you see a lot of these, especially Hollywood types out there, virtue signaling, claiming that they're supporting, you know, they may say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not for the violence, but I understand what these people are going through. No, no, you don't. You don't understand really anything. And this isn't just a, an attack on the elite. This isn't just making fun of or insulting these shielded, bubbled up people who have no idea of what's really happening out there. Even the premise of supporting these rioters based on some perceived injustice. It's wrong. It's not the right narrative. It's driven by an evil agenda. And we're going to talk today about what that agenda likely is. And when I say likely, I'm 
Anyone who presumes to know exactly what's going on here is likely wrong. You know, we can have some strong suspicions. We can look at the situation, look at history, look at the machinations of all of these evil forces out there. But to say, you know, I know for certain this is George Soros or I know for certain this is China or Russia or American Communist Party or whatever. No, you don't know. If you do, then you're likely part of the problem or you're some whatever. We don't know what it is, but we have some pretty darn good ideas. We can look at the facts, look at the situation and realize, yeah, something is behind this. We covered this yesterday in our Knock Report podcast, but today I want to focus on what do we do about it. This entire podcast, the premise of this is about noncompliance with government, particularly authoritarianism, leftism, the types of draconian governments that we're seeing more and more of today thanks to the coronavirus crisis, but not solely because of that. These plans for authoritarianism have been in the works for, well, for as long as most of us have been alive. It's not just the Democrats, though they obviously have the the lion's share of a desire to be authoritarians. It goes beyond that. But here's the thing. Our fight, our non-compliance in America doesn't just have to do with government. We need to fight back against this separate oppression. Whether it's government involved or not, doesn't matter. It may be, but I suspect that the forces behind these riots, the forces that are coordinating, planning, implementing, driving these riots, they're enemies of America that are coming from both within and outside of the United States. Now, the most likely culprit to me, I know a lot of people will point to the EU or specifically George Soros, his band of merry... NGOs that are out there pushing for open borders, pushing for hyper-leftism, radical progressivism. Are they involved? Yeah, most likely. I would say that, that there are certain, certain fingerprints that are indicative of the George Soros style. Okay, So I think that they're involved, but I think it's deeper than that. I think that China is very clearly involved. How do we know? Because we're not hearing much about them. You know, the, the most that they've done is, yes, they're focused on, on uh, Hong Kong right now. But even the little snide remark about how we have no room to talk about their problems with Hong Kong because, you know, just look at Minneapolis. That's what they said. China is very capable of walking and chewing gum at the same time. So those who are claiming that China is not involved because they have bigger problems with the coronavirus, with their economy, with Hong Kong, potentially with Taiwan, the South China Sea, all of these other things. Look, China has the resources and the systems in place to be participating in this, even if it's only from a media perspective. Look, China owns 
a good chunk of American media. We've seen this through the coronavirus, just the sheer fact that that for the longest time, especially in the beginning, every mainstream media outlet was echoing China's rhetoric. It's as if they were getting their marching orders directly from Beijing. And whether or not that's true, perhaps we'll never know for sure, but it's certainly suspicious. At the very least, they are influenced by China. Are they controlled? Maybe. Maybe they're just in bed with China for now because they all share the common enemy of President Trump and conservatism in the United States. That could be it. But I think it's probably more directly involved than that. But who else? Who else is, is behind the scenes? I think that there could be multiple organizations, multiple domestic and foreign organizations that are working together, or even individually. This is not something, you know, rioting takes coordination, absolutely. But sometimes, you know, just having uh, separate forces out there sparking up the rallies that can, or the rallies, the, the riots, that can be enough to send the city into complete disarray. Because they have people who are, you know, the, the quote-unquote useful idiots, whether it's at Black Lives Matter or the on-the-ground ringleaders among Antifa. They have enough people who will do their bidding, willingly or not. You know, I think that some people are just confused. They see this as an opportunity to get Louis Vuitton bags or Nikes or whatever. They look at looting as something that they can do to, to benefit themselves. They don't care about George Floyd. They don't care about anarchy. They don't care about, about uh, police brutality, elitism. You know, these aren't the people who would be camped out in front of banks for weeks at a time, like there were during the Occupy Wall Street movement a few years ago. That's not, these aren't those people. These people are like, hey, this looks crazy. People are getting Louis Vuittons. People are getting their Instapots out of Target. It's basically a free-for-all. I want to get involved. That's what's sparking a lot of... Well, I shouldn't say sparking. That's what's motivating a lot of these people to go out and break the law because they feel that now is a time that they can break the law, take for themselves, and then not get caught. But that's not all of them. Some of them truly are just angry. They're cooped up, whether because of the coronavirus, because they've, they've been living in bad conditions for a while, fired from their jobs, lost their jobs, unable to keep a job. Maybe they just don't want a job. But they're out there expressing their anger. There was a video. It's posted up on knockreport, noqreport.com, of a man, white man, who was, from what I can tell, there's multiple reports talking about we had a samurai sword. He was defending a store in Dallas. Could have been his store. Maybe not. Seems like he might have just been randomly defending it. Maybe the guy was was crazy. You know, there's a certain certain oddity when you're 
going up against a mob with a samurai sword. Maybe he was, you know, I don't know. I don't know what his motivations are. But the video of him getting kicked, beaten down, and the aftermath video, I don't recommend watching it. It's brutal. The aftermath, seeing him face down, his body contorted, literally contorted from being beaten down. It, it, it appeared, at least initially, that he, he had to be dead. And he was nailed in the head with a, some guy swinging a skateboard. It was ugly. It was, it was terrible. And I don't know if he died or not. I saw a picture, follow-up picture, where he's sitting up, getting treated. But then there were other reports that he later died. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Obviously, it matters, but it, it doesn't matter whether he died or not. It was brutality either way. It was animalistic. It was inhumane. I don't care. You know, He's trying to defend a store with a samurai sword. Yeah, that might be crazy. That might be uncalled for. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe this was all he had and maybe he was defending his own store. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances. It doesn't matter. The brutality to take a man and go beyond disarming him, go beyond, you know, holding him for police. There's, there's no law. The lawlessness is abound in America today. And something has to be done about it. I'm not calling for civil war. I've one of the reasons we created this podcast in the first place was to focus on peaceful means of exacting change in America, of fighting authoritarianism, fighting these draconian mandates due to the coronavirus lockdowns, fighting other mandates that have been popping up for decades. We need to reduce government. But this entire riot situation has completely switched the narrative. It was just a week ago where the big complaint was whether or not people protesting at the beach were wearing masks. People walking around on the sidewalks, if they were wearing masks, that was the big news. It was ridiculous. And yet, here we are today. None of that seems to matter. Nobody's talking about masks. They're talking about stores getting burnt to the ground. People getting killed, kidnapped, police being dragged, cop cars being set ablaze. This level of devastation is unlike anything we've seen in most of our lifetimes. You can go back to you know, perhaps the, the civil rights movement. From what I've seen, from what I've read on Wikipedia or wherever, things were pretty bad following the assassination of Martin Luther King. But even those descriptions don't seem to match up, you know, levels with what's happening today. This is outrageous. And it's an attack. It's, atta it's an attack on America from within and from outside. Today, we can't focus on the outside forces as much as I would love to. That's something that I believe, at least for now, needs to be handled by those who have better resources, namely law enforcement, federal law enforcement. 
but this is terrorism. And something has to be done about it. So what do we do? What can we as Americans do? I don't think I've ever felt as helpless as an American because this seems bigger than what I as an individual or even as a group could fight. Because all of the possible actions seem to be bad. What do we do? Do we do we grab our guns, go to downtown Los Angeles, fight off the bad guys? You know, in, in Ferguson, when there was rioting, there were there were armed men, patriots, who went and they went to rooftops to try to prevent rioting, to prevent the people, these angry people, from burning down stores. This seems bigger than that, and it seems as if that. Essentially, if Ferguson was kind of a bluff, this isn't. So what does that mean? You know, it's Sunday morning. For all I know, Saturday night was the last of it. But that should still worry us. Even if Sunday night is peaceful, and I don't think it will be. But even if tonight much less happens or nothing happens, maybe the police and the National Guard are able to get a handle on this, even then... We have major concerns because this underbelly, this small subsection of Americans who who hate being Americans, who hate the nation they live in, who wish to tear it down and replace it with some Marxist dystopia, they're bigger, more coordinated, better funded, and more determined than I would have thought they were because we haven't seen this before. Sure, we've seen Antifa go out and do their violent pranks, and that's pretty much all they've done. You know, I'm not saying that what they've done, you know, calling it pranks doesn't mean that I'm trying to belittle the violence that they have undertaken over the last few years. It is major. People have gotten severely hurt. The reason I'm calling it pranks is because you know, they weren't they weren't coordinated. They weren't trying to take down governments. That's what's happening today. They're trying to take down governments. They're trying to... These riots are designed to create such animosity, such American against American hatred that a civil war for the first time in decades seems like it's possible. We haven't had a civil war in 150 years. But we may have one now. We may have one as a result of not just this, but what happens in the very near future. There's anger on both sides. And it really, I I shouldn't say both, because there are multiple sides to this. This is a a multi-dimensional situation. It's bigger than any of us. In many ways, it's very difficult to grasp. I know I'll go on Twitter if I were to say anything like that. I'll get attacked by friends, you know, people people who normally agree. They'll say there's nothing nothing complicated about this. These, these thugs, these people, they're just this, that, or the other. You know, when I say that I made a tweet earlier noting that the majority of people in Black Lives Matter do not even realize they're pawns. They don't realize that they're that they're being used 
to initiate this anarchic agenda from some elites, probably probably elites that don't even care about or even like Black Lives Matter as an organization, but they're using them. And even that, which I believe is wholeheartedly a fact, even that is getting attacked by many people on the right. They, they just, a lot of us don't want to see the reality that that these people, uh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, that, that they're being manipulated, they're being used. They want to attribute total responsibility on, on the people that are rioting, and I wholeheartedly agree, but that does not mean that they're not being manipulated. That does not mean that they're not being used for a larger agenda. But to say that they're manipulated seems to be some sort of you know, giving them cover or letting them off the hook. That's not what I want to do. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do. And by no means am I insinuating that just because they're being manipulated, that they don't deserve every level of punishment that should apply to their actions. But I don't think that the majority of them understand the plan. That's, again, I think that's a fact. The plan here is much bigger than just George Floyd or police reform. This is essentially an evil agenda. I think that much is obvious. I often point to Ephesians 6, specifically Ephesians 6.12, talking of powers and principalities. I do this almost too often, but it needs to be said. It's a reminder that we're not just facing men. We're facing powers and principalities, rulers in dark places. I often point to prayer as a way to combat whatever it is that we're facing. And again, I point to it with this, because first and foremost, we have to pray through this. We have to pray for our fellow men, our fellow patriots, our fellow Christians. We have to pray for discernment for those who simply don't see. And we have to pray for strength to fight those who do see, who know exactly what's happening. And they don't care. They're loving it. One does not have to be one of the ringleaders to be complicit in this, there's so many celebrities out there who are currently saying that they're going to raise money, pay the bail for people that are arrested through these quote-unquote protests. These aren't protests. These are riots. These are people taking, stealing, destroying. They are taking from others. They are harming other Americans. Americans who had absolutely nothing to do with the murder of George Floyd. Why should tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of business owners, employees, just residents in, in particular areas, why should they have to suffer just because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time? Why should they have to suffer because of anger about this string of, of three 
odd, unfortunate murders? The answer is they shouldn't. They shouldn't be forced to suffer. This whole notion that I'm in pain emotionally, so I have to put other people in pain emotionally or physically or fiscally. It's gross. It's, it's stupid. And that's why that's not the real reason. This is not about George Floyd. This is about anarchy. And the fact that, you know, I spend a lot of time analyzing, researching, contemplating, discussing with others, trying to determine, you know, what is, if we drill down, what is the underlying cause of this, that, or the other? What is the real goal? What is the end game? And it's rare that we're unable to see it. You know, I wouldn't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, per se, as much as a conspiracy analyst. Okay? I like to look at conspiracies. And I'm not talking about, you know, whether or not the Earth is flat. Or if Paul McCartney died in the 60s and was replaced by a doppelganger. I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm talking about reality. There are conspiracies. Okay, if, if Edward Snowden, like, like him or not, if Edward Snowden showed us anything, it's that the craziest conspiracy theories out there are sometimes true. Gulf of Tonkin, look it up. Something here is happening, and it's something that we're unable to see. I, I'm not suggesting that nobody sees it, but nobody sees the whole picture. At least not on the, the side of good, not on the side of, of defending America. And if they do, and they're not ringing the bell, then they're part of the problem. But so far, I've read every analysis I can find. I've read conspiracy theories. I've read news. I've even gone into mainstream media see if looking for hints. And I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I mean, I, obviously, I know what's happening. I don't know why it's happening. I don't know what the end goal is other than anarchy. And if that is it, if that is the end goal, you know, if it's just as simple as, hey, we need to tear America apart and to do it, you know, we're going to cause this anarchy for a short period of time and then it'll go away. If that's all it is, I, that's good. I, I know, obviously, you can look around and say this couldn't be good. But if this is the end goal, then we'll we'll be fine. We'll make it through this. But I fear that it's not. You know, this has opened up a, a Pandora's box, so to speak. This has robbed us of our innocence, of, of this generation not experiencing true rioting. Yes, we've seen riots in the past, even in the recent past. But this widespread destruction, this seemingly random attack on America, it does not bode well for the very near future. And I'm talking about you know, come election day. If they're rioting on the streets today as a result of George Floyd's murder, what are they going to do? 
if President Trump wins election? What are they going to do if Republicans win control of the House, retain control of the Senate? What we're seeing today is much worse than what we saw in 2016, shortly after the election. You know, the quote-unquote the resistance or whatever it was had Shia LaBeouf doing weird things and people marching, saying, not my president and whatever. You know, that was... That was tame compared to what's happening today. Now, you combine those two things, that anger in 2016, the disbelief. You combine that with now, an America that has seen what actual rioting, true destruction, true anarchy, what it looks like in the streets, in cities across this nation. Combine those two. What does it look like in November if... Republicans win across the board. And I'm still hoping for that, obviously. But what is that what is that going to spark? If we think of the looting, the rioting, the chaos, the anarchy, we think it's bad today over the death of one man. How are they going to react? This to me could be a uh, a trial run a dress rehearsal for absolute chaos, anarchy, death, murder, destruction, cities, entire cities burning. They've seen what they can do. And by they, I'm not talking about Black Lives Matter. I'm not even talking about Antifa or anything like that. I'm talking about whoever's really pulling the strings, whoever's calling these shots. They've seen what a little bit of coordination and a lot of anger can do. Whatever anger is driving people regarding George Floyd, it will be exponentially higher if the Republicans win. Especially if President Trump wins. You know, forget about the House. If, if Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee wins, but the Republicans take control of the House, keep control of the Senate, I don't think there would be rioting. It really does come down to the, the one man, the one, the singular office of president. If President Trump wins re-election, then what we're seeing today, I believe, will be repeated. So maybe that is the goal. Maybe this is just a trial run. And if that's the case, okay, I'll also be pleased. Not pleased because there's going to be more riots or that there's going to be death or destruction. I want to be clear about that. But my fear is of the unknown. You know, what, what agenda is in play that we don't see or that few see or that we only partially see? What do these riots really mean? Again, this isn't about George Floyd. This is about something bigger. And whatever that is, I'm not seeing it clearly. I see a lot of possibilities. So what does this all mean? How do we fight back? Should we be grabbing our AR-15s and hopping on top of buildings and defending cities? Perhaps. I'm not going to call for that. Not because I'm scared or concerned or I think that it's a bad idea, but because that's not my place. I will not call on anyone to do what I myself wouldn't do. And I'm not going to be on top of any buildings with my firearms. Not for this, not today. 
But we do need to start for sure. And I should say, I shouldn't say start. We should continue to fight the narrative. Morning Joy, AM Joy, whatever, whoever that is, tweeting out that it's been documented that these are white supremacists driving this, this chaos. Really? No. <laughs> not even close. It's not at all. You really think that Black Lives Matter is going to sit back and let white supremacists guide them? Have you seen the videos of the conversations between the leaders in various cities of Black Lives Matter and these other people, the apparent, I guess, on-the-ground lieutenants of the whoever the real ringleaders are? These aren't white supremacists, folks. Okay? These are anarchists. These are Antifa. These are far left-wing hyper-progressives. These are Marxists. These are people who look at Karl Marx and think, man, he didn't go far enough to the left. We can see it by who's supporting them. It's not just Hollywood. It's not just mainstream media. Look at the politicians. Elon Omar. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the people that are out there essentially calling for more riots. They might, have said, they might not say those exact words, but read between the lines. So we need to start being more proactive, winning this information war. Yesterday I was, we had the Saving America conference. It's fun. I was able to do a panel with the co-founders of the American conservative movement. And one of the topics of discussion was how do we how do we start winning this information war? Because we it's the odds are stacked against us. Conservatives, we do not have as loud of a voice. Not because there's not as many of us. I would say that there's actually more of us than there are the uh, amongst the radical progressives or even the, the quote unquote moderate progressives. There's more of us out there. And yet our voices are suppressed on social media, mainstream media, schools, Hollywood, whatever. The left has control of the majority of the information disseminators in the United States. So we have to get smarter. We have to get more aggressive. And it bugs me. I mentioned this during the conference yesterday. It, it absolutely infuriates me when I see conservatives out there talking about a story and then sharing the, the CNN version. No, don't. I don't care. Don't. Okay, find another source. There aren't many great conservative sources out there. So many of them have disappointed me in recent years, especially. But there are some. There are some great ones. And even in the ones that aren't great, there's still good content there. You can always find an alternative to the Washington Post or to Huffington Post. You know, why, why in the world would any conservatives share an article from Salon? You know, share videos from the Young Turks. I don't get it. 
Stop. They don't share Breitbart. They're not sharing the Gateway Pundit. No, they're not sharing Prager PragerU videos. So why are we sharing CNN? We shouldn't. If you're on social media, find other sources. But obviously we have to do more than that. This isn't just about rhetoric. It's not just about sharing information. We need to be producing more information. One of the reasons that we're creating the Freedom First Network, myself, Jeff Dornick, several others are participating in this new network. It's not because there's a need for more podcasts, but there's definitely a need for more conservative podcasts. And frankly, the conservative movement in general in America has not done a great job of producing enough high quality, great perspectives, content, and getting it out to the masses. Sure, you got the Daily Wire Network and the Blaze Network and Ricochet. There are networks out there that are trying to take to the radio waves. And of course, today's modern radio waves are podcasts. More people are listening to them every single day. You are, obviously, because you won't be able to find this particular podcast on any radio station. Not yet. So the reason that we're building this Freedom First Network is because it's needed. Okay? Today it's needed. There's easier ways. If we wanted to, we had discussed, you know, yeah, let's just put out podcasts and we'll join one of the major podcast networks. It doesn't have to be conservative. It could just be whatever. You know, we'll, we'll get bigger, better listenership that way. But there's something missing. There is no coordination amongst conservatives. There's no unity right now. We need a lot more of that. I've never seen, you know, outside of Bernie Bros versus Bernie Sanders, I'm sorry, versus Joe Biden, outside of that particular battle, you rarely see the left fighting amongst itself. On the right, I mean, we're bickering like, like siblings. Bickering over nuances of how this rhetoric or that rhetoric is, is incorrect. It's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, or maybe it is. Maybe maybe the whole idea of individualism, which is promoted by conservatives, maybe that makes us inherently less likely to be unified. But here's the thing. Today, with the left much more unified than the right, we're going to have to figure something out, okay? We don't have to agree on everything for us to be participating together, unified towards certain things that we can all universally agree on. We should universally agree that these riots are stupid. It bugs me when I see people like Marco Rubio. I, I generally like, I know he's, he's got his haters out there. I generally like Marco Rubio. Okay, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't say, you know, I didn't vote for him in the primaries. Didn't support his presidential run. Didn't like what he did with the Gang of Eight. I can make a lot of complaints about Marco Rubio. But I was still shocked. And he's coming out and I forgot what the exact tweet said, but it was something to the effect of, you know, uh, riots are bad, but they have a point. No, absolutely not. 
they lost their right to make a point when they broke the first window. You can say, well, you can't blame the entire, all the protesters. Most of them are, are no, no. Okay. Not anymore. They're not. These aren't protests. These are riots. Just because they're holding sign during the day that says, you know, hands up, don't shoot, or whatever the signs are saying, doesn't mean that that gives them the right or even excuses their actions later when they're burning down Starbucks. Am I saying that everyone who's participating in these so-called protests are rioting? No. Am I suggesting that George Floyd's death is irrelevant? No. But when you look at what's happening, you cannot excuse any of it. Not anymore. We're beyond that. We're beyond that on day one. Once these turn violent, if, if, if you say that the majority of these people are, are peaceful, then there would be peace. If you're saying that, that the majority of protesters are, are peaceful protesters, then they should be able to outnumber and overpower and prevent riots. We've seen it. I mean, there, I've seen some wonderful videos of people, you know, the, there's one video in particular of policemen getting pulled aside by got stuck in the middle of a, of a mob and you know, it looks like he's about to get attacked and, and some of the protesters surrounded him, put their arms out. You know, they were protecting him. Okay. We saw, um, some of these organizers, people were about to, it looked like I couldn't see the sign exactly, but it looked like they were about to, to uh, loot another target, some kind of store. And these people jumped in front of them and blocked the way. Several of them. So if the rioters wanted to loot that particular store, they would have had to go through the protesters. We've seen that if these really are righteous protests, that these righteous protesters should be able to prevent the looting, to stop the rioting, stop the destruction, the violence. Maybe they couldn't stop at all. Maybe there would be some stores burning, some people getting hurt. But this isn't a matter of some. These are riots. They are not protests. There are some protesters intermingled with the rioters. Okay? But don't tell me that these are mostly pro peaceful protesters with a handful of bad apples. Because a handful of bad apples would not be able to, to engage in this level of carnage if they were the minority. Okay. Not even close. You're wrong. You're lying. You've got a, an agenda. You're pushing a false narrative. If that's what you're saying. And unfortunately, almost everybody in mainstream media, that's exactly what they're saying. People, I, I've been never been more disappointed. People have been, been, uh, ripping on Fox news a lot lately. And I generally, you know, wasn't, I didn't care. I never looked at Fox news as, as a, truly conservative outlet. They were just a little bit less leftist than everybody else, right? But not now. Okay, not today. I'm not talking about Hannity or, or whatever. Tucker. 
talking about the news people, the the people who are covering and reporting on these riots. The majority of them, even on Fox News, are calling them, trying to make excuses. Peaceful protesters, most of them, just a handful of bad apples. You know, everything's okay. This isn't as bad as it looks. So stupid. So unnecessary. It's sad. It really, truly is sad. I am angry and in many ways very tearful for America today because of what this means for not just the immediate future, but also the long-term future. So back to solutions. This wouldn't be the non-compliant podcast. No, I'm sorry. This wouldn't be the non-compliant America podcast if I didn't offer direction. How do we handle it? Should we be on top of stores? I don't know. Like I said earlier, I'm not going to ask anybody to do what I am not going to do, and I am not going to take my firearms and go defend some buildings. But I will defend my house. <laughs> I'll defend my family. I might not today, at this point, be willing to take the fight to them. But if they bring the fight to me, so be it. Their loss. So that I will recommend. Stay frosty. Be ready. You never know when the riots, rioters are going to hit your neighborhood. So keep your eyes open. Be prepared. But beyond that, beyond attacking the information, the false information that's out there, spreading the truth, the best thing we can do at this point, I know... You know, people will say this and they'll, they'll be either ironic or using it as a cliche. But folks, this is real. We really, truly, as a nation, as a people, we must pray. We must pray. Pray in groups when you can. Pray by yourself if you must. Pray with your family, with your friends. Pray for America to calm the heck down. Pray for these rioters to be stopped, to be captured and, and arrested, jailed, convicted if necessary. Pray for the violence, the looting, the burning. Pray for it to end. At this point, folks, unless you're ready for civil war, and you should not ever be ready for civil war, but unless you're ready for it, then... Our best recourse, the only thing that we can do, truly, that could, would be effective, we need help from above. Just like Daniel would pray for Israel, we need a bunch of Daniels to be praying for America today. That means you. If you're listening to this, push pause, say a prayer. After this podcast is done, after you're done listening, find somebody, pray again. Keep praying. Whatever happens with these riots, with these so-called protests, we have to be diligent. We have to be smart. The enemy has at least partially played their cards. Hopefully these are all their cards. Ah, that would be wonderful if this is the worst of it. If this is the best they can do. We can survive this. But again, I fear that whatever they have planned 
It could be much worse than this. It could be long-lasting. It could be sustained. Or it could be brief and just devastating. I don't know. Hopefully we'll know soon. Or maybe, hopefully we will never know because it won't happen. America is in the middle of a crisis. Not just the coronavirus crisis, not just the riots. This crisis is manifesting from every side as an attack on our sovereignty as a nation, on our security as a people, and on our future. America's future has not been this grim since the middle of the Obama administration. And in many ways, things do look worse. The only solace we have is knowing that we do have at least one guy in D.C. who is fighting for us. Those who know me know that I was not a fan of President Trump in the beginning. But I've changed my ways. I've seen, I wouldn't say goodness in him. <laughs> I don't see goodness in many men. But I do see at least that he cares about America. And that's something that we hadn't seen for in the previous administration. Eight years. Eight years. I didn't see... President Obama actually care about America, not more than he cared about the world, not more than he cared about certain elements. He might have cared a little bit about America, but only as a means to an end. Well, this president, President Trump, does care about what happens to America. And people would say, well, no, but he only cares about himself. And he just, well, okay, fine. If that's true, great. If he cares about himself enough to want his legacy to be solid, then he will make decisions based upon what is best for America. Either way, I'm good with it. And that is the only solace that, that we have at this point, you know, as far as in this world, this situation. We can also always take solace in the Bible, in our future, in our Lord and Savior. That's a better solace. But that's an everlasting solace. What we do now, today, with these riots happening, and after they're over, that will determine a lot about the future of America. It's time for conservatives to stop bickering over nuances and to start uniting behind our shared ideology. We need government to be limited. We need the unborn to be protected. We need our rights to be defended. We should all be able to agree on those things. How we get there, we can have policy debates. We can have strategy debates. But all too often I see conservatives, friends, fighting over dumb stuff. Not debating, fighting. America needs conservatives to unite behind our common goals. Now, more than ever, I'm going to be researching this a lot more. My wife, oh, I'm so blessed to have her. She had two different phones going, two different newscasts, watching them both, sitting there doing her research last night. I passed out. She kept going. 
Can't wait for her to wake up. I woke up in the middle of the night because I had fallen asleep too early. She was just going to bed. In the morning, I'll get the report from her, find out what she learned, and we'll compare notes. So tomorrow, we will, or maybe even tonight, maybe this, uh, maybe we'll get some information tonight. But once we start getting a clearer picture of not only what's happening, but why it's happening, who's behind it, and what we can do as Americans to fight back peacefully, if possible, but fight back either way. Once we have more information, I will put out another episode. In the meantime, stay strong, stay safe. God bless. I like to cook on the big green egg. Why? It's impressive and everything turns out great on the big green egg. If you don't have one, you got to go to Wasi's Meat Market and get a big green egg. They have the lowest prices in the country. They also have all the accessories. They even have a classroom set up to teach you all the basic techniques on the big green egg and advanced techniques on the big green egg. When you get the big green egg from Wasi's Meat Market, there's a lifetime guarantee. So check them out. It's Wasi's Meat Market. Check them out on Instagram or just go to their website, wasi'smeatmarket.com. In Melbourne on Wickham Road. It's Wassie's Meat Market. Oh, hey, kiddo. How was the hill? Educational. Oh, learned a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow, well, the whole crew's all, you! Induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com.